0: Uh, Tim is going to take it away and give us a summary of where we were just last time.
1: Great. Yeah. So we, we covered a lot last time it and was, it was a great discussion. Uh, m- my key takeaways were we were thinking about what is the Sermon on the Mount? Is, is this a new law that's given to us? Is it an amendment to the old law? And we didn't actually land on a particular thing in last, our last conversation. But we did have some takeaways and one was, whatever we might call this, the Sermon on the Mount is teaching given to us by our instructor, the one instructor, the Messiah. He's speaking with authority to his disciples. And so however we approach this, we need to approach it extremely seriously. This is, this is important teaching for our lives. That was one kind of big takeaway. But we also talked about in the new covenant that Jesus instituted in Luke 22, and it's talked about in Hebrews, we don't just have new information being given to us. Not just this crazy high standard that Jesus is giving, which is even higher than the old law, the Mosaic law. We actually have the Holy Spirit helping us and guiding us and equipping us to when we come to the Sermon on the Mount. And so that that gives me hope uh, as I'm reading these words and as they, they seem weighty and challenging. You know, I'm not just doing this on my own, under my own power. Uh, I'm doing this as a part of the new creation.
0: Yeah. There is something supernatural happening here. We're chimeras, right? We're not just... The sinful nature anymore we've got that spiritual nature that's uh, uh supernatural inside of us doing its thing and it, it reminded me of romans 12 uh where uh paul says don't be conformed to this world you know the world is pushing us into It's trying to put it push us into its mold everywhere around you you right. look but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. And that testing you may discern, it, it actually has uh, a meaning of that you may approve. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is, is working on us in the process of sanctification so that we start to desire the things that God desires. And it's, it's that kind of work on our hearts and minds as we struggle with what Jesus is teaching here, as we struggle with it and not just set it aside if we hold on to it. Um, so I, I want to return now to this notion of righteousness, because la- la- last time we kind of talked a little bit about how uh, the Pharisees, you know, Jesus uses them as an example of, of our righteousness needs to surpass theirs what does he mean by that? I think important, uh, and then he gives a few examples of, of what he means, you know, not not just don't go to the letter of the law of murder, you wanna get to the heart of it, hate, and uh, weed that out of your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, in this context, I'd like to, to focus a little bit about on righteousness and what does that mean? And is there something, because I think this ties in with the rest of, of the sermon, um, is there s- some kind of structure that we can look at with the Beatitudes that will, will to start at least, um, if we try to answer what does Jesus mean by righteousness? And uh, I want to start us off here in just noting the structure of the Beatitudes. It starts off with... Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then at the end, it's blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying theirs is the kingdom of heaven, uh, poor in spirit and uh, persecuted for righteousness. And then in between, he has all these um, blessed are, uh, you know, those who mourn for they'll be comforted, blessed are they will be. So it's a, there's is, and then there's a future. So there's a, a present and future. It's all of this. But he said, but after the first four, uh, at, at the fourth one of each, he talks about righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Everything before that is you could say the blessedness of emptiness, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you are empty, and so what do you want? You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see your need, and you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, what is that? At, at, then he talks about best, blessed are the merciful. It seems like you've now filled up on something, and you can provide mercy. And you filled up on something, and you're you're pure in heart, and you can you you see God, and and you're a peacemaker. These are. I would put before us maybe some of the qualities that, that Jesus is looking for that we could test maybe um, in the rest of the sermon. Does he mean that with righteousness? If you're merciful, if you're pure, if you're a peacemaker. And when we look at these examples later, you know, it says, uh, you know, about um, not being even angry. That's That's being a peacemaker.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, not lusting that, you know, yeah. Don't commit adultery, but don't even lust. That seems Mm -hmm. like purity right there. Um, divorce, keeping, uh, your oaths. So all of these seem retaliation, you know, uh, all of these things seem like, you know, loving your enemies examples of, of purity, mercy, and peacemaking to me hmm.
1: that's that's really interesting i've never made that explicit connection between being merciful pure in heart and a peacemaker with what you're seeing in the rest mm-hmm. of the sermon but i mean you you were focused on matthew 5 if you think about matthew 6 matthew 6 is yeah or the first half of it is all about re- religious observances and how to do them with a pure heart. <laughs> <And> it's all <laughs> about not being seen by people, but being seen by God. Yeah. And the promise for the pure in heart is that they will see God. Which that's pretty cool. That's cool. I mm-hmm. I haven't I had not thought about that until until now. Uh, and it, I'm glad that you brought us back to, when when you're talking about righteousness to the beatitudes, because it is easy to when you're thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. To focus on the explicit teachings that relate to our behavior, Mm -hmm. whether that's about treating people kindly and not in anger, or whether that's about not worrying about money. But Jesus starts with the Beatitudes for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely heard, I've heard it said that this is the foundation of the Sermon on the Mount. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that because these qualities are all over the place.
0: Uh, Hmm. Yeah. If you go, if you scroll, if you keep going, I'm scrolling on my phone here. (laughs) If you're flipping your pages too, uh, down to the end of chapter six, I think in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So again, uh, you know, I think also related to this is uh, seeking after and struggling with God and trying to be like him. Because if I go back to the end of the Beatitudes, I think there's eight, right? Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. That part, I think, supports verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Mm -hmm. So the righteousness there, I think there's a parallelism there i see with um you know you're you're being persecuted in both cases Um, one is for righteousness uh and the other is on account of jesus Mm -hmm. and so i think there's also a dimension to this where um the righteousness that you know the key is is really with jesus to be found in him and um uh, not looking to ourselves, our own resources, but to God. I think is part of also the that what I see in the the Beatitudes. That but that um, even in the prayer, I think that's another thing that I've been thinking about.
2: Yeah, I, I think Matt, what you were saying when you were when you were sort of laying out that the first part of the Beatitudes is sort of that emptying, and then the second part is what you what you actually do. I think that a big part of what's going on here, and this is something that. I personally struggle with is the uh performative aspects of the way that I live my religious life and Mm. a lot of what Jesus corrects throughout the sermon is you know you've heard it said and he talks about some performance you've heard it said don't kill that well that's I mean it's sort of an anti-performance but you don't kill anybody. <laughs> so that means don't kill people. But then he talks about the the inward aspect of I'm telling you don't even hate them and be, and how the two validate each other. You cannot you can't have the performative aspects of your religion don't mean anything if they're just a performance just like the inward parts, the parts that you're being filled up with don't mean anything if you don't then act on them. And I think what Jesus is talking about here, he's he's really, in a way, giving us a true a definition of righteousness, of what it should be, um, because w- the what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law called righteousness had become for many of them just a performance yeah just how they looked to the people outside of them and then the emphasis became how do i look mm. how do i look do i look righteous instead of am i righteous am i being righteous mm.
1: um can i can i ask a question and this is this is a tangent but it's, it's directly related to righteousness. And I think it's really important as we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. So merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, you know, if we accept, which I think is very valid, that those are components of being righteous. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, blessed are those who per- are persecuted for righteousness. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of leans in on that and says, let me remind you, Again, like you said, Matt, that you actually are going to be blessed when you're persecuted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why are we getting persecuted for righteousness? Why are we getting persecuted for doing these great things? Isn't this what the world wants? A bunch of people to be merciful?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a valid question. One, why, would not, why wouldn't anyone love mercy and peacemaking? And, um, but Jesus says, no, that's not what's going to happen. when you you try to do those kind of things. And I think part of it is that your light shines on darkness and people don't like to be revealed. They don't like to have that light shine on them. And, you know, maybe they don't like, uh, you know, let's say you're at work and the boss says, uh, you guys can have a half hour break, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, everyone else wants to take an hour, uh, but you go back to work at, after half an hour and everyone suddenly hates you
2: because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like making them all look bad right. and 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 the yes the world wants mercy but I, what Jesus is saying is but the world doesn't understand what mercy really is mm. and what mercy really is the world doesn't want that you know if if the if the the person makes you walk with them a mile to carry their burden, that's not mercy. Mm -hmm. It just looks like mercy. What's mercy is to go two miles. What's mercy is to say, no, I'll carry it all the way home for you. Mm -hmm. And the world thinks that is stupid and crazy and overboard. And now you've bridged from being kind to being abused and your rights violated. Yeah. And I, I think that part of what Jesus is saying here is that the yeah, the world likes the word, the concept of mercy in general, but the world doesn't understand what mercy really is. Yeah. The world doesn't understand what purity really is.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus is a perfect example of perfect and crucified (laughs) right right
1: yeah i i just think that that's helpful for me because like when i'm thinking about these words like righteousness it's a it can be a very spiritual word right i can feel Mm -hmm. like it's not so much connected to my day-to-day life right but then i and i I think when i read the Sermon on the Mount, there can be parts of it that are like that, mm-hmm. where it feels like either it's not connected to me or I feel a certain sort of repulsion to it. Like you were saying, fan, right. like, I don't think I want that. And. Oh, that's too much righteousness. That's too much righteousness. <laughs> right? Exactly. And, and, and so if, if the Sermon on the Mount is a picture of, of what righteousness looks like, which I think is a good example our description of what it is, then I think as we're approaching it, as we're preparing to dig into it, we're going to have times where we are doing some of that recoiling ourselves, where we're we're tempted to persecute the mm-hmm. righteousness ourselves. And I think we just need we need to be aware of that that Jesus is the one defining righteousness here. It's not us defining righteousness. And that's that needs to change our posture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh I like that setup. That's uh that's pretty good to remember. Um maybe we can also um um pivot to the seriousness because I think it relates of how Jesus kind of wraps up his sermon with this uh, the first time I read this, uh you know, I was a religious guy, I was a pastor's kid, and uh boy did it get me stone cold sober. Uh in Matthew 7, this is verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Mm. Mm. And this word lawbreakers or lawlessness mm-hmm. anamia in greek it's it, those who work iniquity it describes the condition of being without law either because you're either ignorant of it or you violate it um, it can also mean uh, contempt um, or in violation of law basically wickedness uh, so i think jesus is saying um, we really to take this pretty seriously he's ratcheted up the stakes like this pretty hard uh, pretty high uh, because you're shut out of the kingdom of God he's saying uh, he doesn't know you and I think you I think this relates back to what we were seeing in the Beatitudes about um, never really being satisfied unless you hunger and thirst after God's righteousness it's sort of a summary I think um, uh you know at the end of of Matthew 5 where in verse 48 he says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and I think unless our passion in life is to know God in the struggle to be like him in the world we're just doing religion it's not relationship
2: mm-hmm
1: yeah, I, I just, I guess I want to just echo how important that is. Um, I think the, I, it makes me feel so grateful for the Holy Spirit, <laughs> because yeah, yeah, Matthew, I mean, it's not like he just gives one hard teaching at the end of Matthew yeah. 7, mm-hmm. he has like four back to back, right? Enter through the narrow gate. It's gonna be hard. Watch out for people who teach you things that, you know, sound good, but aren't, don't bear fruit. Right. Make sure to do my will. Mm-hmm. And you you could even think you're doing it, right? You could be doing miracles in my name, but not be doing my will. Right. And by the way, hear what I say and put it into practice. It's like so, it's so challenging. But he does say at the very beginning, like, blessed are the poor in spirit. <laughs> mm. And so it's like recognizing that we're, we're struggling is, and it's going to be really hard. Yeah. He, he wants us to do that instead of it being something we have to like pretend will never happen because right? we're going to get everything perfect.
0: Right. I think yeah. that's that's exactly what this sermon does to me when I read it and I meditate on it it makes me. It crushes me, and it brings me back to the the beatitudes again. I circle back to them and think, "Oh my gosh, I need God. I can't do this." And uh, I'm convicted by my sin, and I and I I want to change, and I and I feel, "Oh man, this is hard." And uh, it, but I think it would be much worse if we never looked in the mirror, you know, mm-hmm. and just. Coasted right that's that's the that's the lazy river to hell right there right mm-hmm.
2: yeah and you know the and then he ends the sermon talking about building it's something that you are building it's not something that you are um sort of in what I was saying before if i thought if I memorized it I would have it. It's not something that it doesn't work that way. It's something that I have to build mm. and I have to build it on the right foundation. You know, if you build your house on the rock, it'll stand in the storm. If you build it on not the rock, the rock being Jesus, if I build it on my own character, if I build it on my own performance, if I build it on my church attendance, <laughs> or on my denominational affiliation, or on my education, or on my talent, or on anything that's not that rock, which is Jesus, then when the storm comes, it's not gonna stand. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we're, we're building. I, I really love the, the thought of that because building involves creativity and it involves collaboration it involves it, it involves other people it involves the Holy Spirit and it, it it it's sort of an encouragement at the end of all that really hard stuff at the end where it says you you might look like you're on the way but you might be going in the complete opposite direction because I've got to build it and I've got to realize that as long as I'm on this side of eternity that building continues. That building is something that has to keep going on. Um, yeah, this is, yeah, this is good stuff.
1: I, I love you like leaning into that analogy because Jesus is so good with his analogies. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, when, when I think about kind of the, the quintessential analogies that Jesus makes about this relationship of walking with him. And it being a process of obedience and grace and love. I think about, uh, John 15. Mm. I don't know if you guys Mm -hmm. mind, if I just read a few verses there. Go for it. Because I think this is, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry and he's kind of reflecting back and he's reminding his disciples of the paradigm. And so he, he, Matthew seven, he uses that idea of, of builder and here it's, it's gardening. It's the gardening analogy. So, uh, In Matthew 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so that it will bear more fruit. You are clean already because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. (laughs) If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a branch and dries up and such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned up. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is honored by this that you bear much fruit and show that you are my disciples. So, I mean, there, right? Jesus is like, really hitting this point, you can't do anything right. mm-hmm. unless you remain so, in me. so cool. And, but if you remain in me, you're going to be pruned. Yeah. So you keep on bearing more fruit. Right. Um, and then I think my question then is like, well, how do I remain in you, Jesus? Right? And so then he answers that in uh, verse 9 and 10. It says, just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And so, I mean, he talks earlier about loving, right? Loving Jesus, you're going to keep his commands. And I appreciate what you shared, Matt, that it's not not that they're like equivalent, Mm. right? Love precedes obedience. But love can't be absent from obedience. But I think here it's like, the analogy is just like, it's a vine, right? It's just all (laughs) linked up. Like we can't separate ourselves from Jesus. We can't separate Jesus from his teachings. We can't separate Jesus' teachings from our lives. Like it's just this all, this mass that is continuously growing and building and bringing God glory uh, in that pruning, growing process.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you, any of you have rose bushes. I have, uh, I've killed a few and uh, <laughs> I, I'm in the
1: active
2: process of killing one now.
0: <laughs> uh, the, the blight got one and I didn't know if you clipped one, you could, could take it over to the other one. I figured that out though, the hard way. Um, but we have one beautiful rose bush left. And uh, what I've learned though, is you, you really do need to prune the, the heck out of them a lot. And right. that, is what they need. They really thrive after that, mm-hmm. and uh, I I like this. Um, I do think uh, this reminds me a lot of um, the love piece. I I think of as God loving us first, and uh, because He did, uh, we have a chance to love Him, and that it is all intertwined. And thank goodness we have the Holy Spirit, and. Uh, we remain in him holding on to his commands, not letting go of them, returning to them again and again and again. We fall down, we pick ourselves up, we go back and uh, we're going to keep getting pruned and that's going to feel really hard, but yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's going to prepare us to bear fruit. And that's something that just, you know, my bush produces flowers because it's just stayed there and it's still absorbing all the water from the ground and the holy spirit's going to keep moving in us and we're going to get pruned and it's not going to feel good and that that sin that we you know self-reliance or whatever is going to get chopped at and taken down and and then we're going to be producing something that's beautiful that glorifies god and uh you know the fruit that that comes from that
1: yeah I i mean i think the the question i think were going to follow up with was like, well, I mean, how can we, how can we do this? How can we do what the Sermon on the Mount calls us to do? I mean, Jesus says loving him is to keep his commands, but I can't keep these. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so what happens if we sin? What happens if we fall short of, of the commands that, uh, that are being talked about here? Um, are, are there scriptures that you guys think about when you're thinking about that process of mm. sinning and getting back on your feet again, or fault, or even you know sometimes it's not the sins that we do, but it's the good that we don't do, right? How yeah. how do we how do we move forward in those times when we're like, I want to love Jesus, I want to keep His commands but i feel like i'm i'm having trouble holding on to this what 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 do you guys think about that i guess it's like the the process of sanctification right this process what what keeps you guys going
0: god's mercy <laughs> i think i think um the world lies to us and we have to keep going back to his word i'm i'm not okay if i'm spending if i'm not spending time in the word if I'm not reminding myself of what's real, Mm -hmm. I get weird real easy. I'm so, my natural inclination is to be self-reliant and rely on my own strength and not look to God. And the more that I realize, the the more I read the Bible, the more I realize I have to keep my eyes focused on Him. And um, yeah, I'm going to mess up. Um, And I've I've started to to realize... um, the longer that I've been holding on to, to Jesus that um, I've tasted more of his mercy and it's made me more secure. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I I am an insecure person and in that I want people to like me. And so talking about my sin is hard and I don't want to look bad. And mm-hmm. I don't want people to think, oh, why would you be struggling with that? That's stupid. And shouldn't you be further along? And I often think, yeah, I should be. I I thought I'd be a lot further along than I am right now, you know? Uh, But I'm not. And uh, I am um, really grateful that I have mercy. And I think that uh, you got to just keep going back. And these are some of the verses that I think help me you know, um, to remember and to focus on 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 Jesus.
2: Yeah, I think that, and, and um, you guys and our virtual audience out there is gonna have to forgive me because it's getting late at night where I <laughs> am right here. So I'm not recalling the scripture, I believe it's in Philippians where it talks about attaining to or living up to what you've already attained. Mm. And I think, you know, being having been a Christian as long as I have, um, going on 40 years. Now, anything that you've been doing for 40 years, you ought to be really, really, you ought to be an expert at it. And sometimes I feel like I'm a novice all over again. And passages like that help me because they help me to understand that so, I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to uh, cure cancer here. I'm trying to live what I already know, what I've already experienced. Because what happens is when I sin, so when I when I fall to something, I, in my mind, I want to say, "Well, see, you're a loser. You've always been a loser. You're always going to be a loser." and I wanna park there and I wanna stop there. But then I think, no, I'm not a loser. I know what God has done in my life. I know what it takes. I know, like you were saying, Matt, I know that if I'm not in the word deeply and consistently and for me, because I need it, not because I need to teach somebody that, not because somebody's gonna ask me, what's your Bible study like these days or what are you studying in your Bible? But that I do it because I know that I need it because if I don't do it, I'm a mess. And that's what that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me saying, you know what? You're not a loser because the Holy Spirit is in you. Hmm and it's not it goes beyond you're not a loser because you've been doing this for 40 years and there's you get there you know longevity counts no i'm not a loser because jesus loves me and i love him the holy spirit is in me and i know how to get back out of this my my sinful nature wants to tell me no you don't know how to get it. you're you you're not going to and it it it's that that keeps me going that, that 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 the holy spirit is in me groaning communicating things that i can't with my mind but that helps me with my spirit
0: yeah when i'm weak then i'm strong if i can just mm-hmm. keep focused on jesus i am you know he he carries me and i think um the so much of faith you know how we are we live Mm -hmm. uh is just keeping our eyes focused on jesus i mean the author and perfecter of our faith right Right. uh i think that uh when i read things like john one where it says in the beginning the word was with god and the word was god the way that he uses that with word it actually means toward jesus's whole orientation is toward the father. And you can see that the rest of the, you right. know, he says, well, oh, I can only do what I see my father doing. I only say what my Father's told me to say. Yep. And that is so amazing.
1: Right. Yeah. He
0: models what faith is for us mm-hmm. to Look to God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we're,
0: we're, we, we're this, coming up. I don't know if we again. answered the question <laughs> at all still, but this no. has been a fun discussion.
1: Yeah. I guess I, I just want to, Bring it back in my mind to the Sermon on the Mount there because I think the Sermon on the Mount is supposed to and can serve as this amazing way of coming back to Jesus. Yes, uh, that it's it's that look in the mirror mm-hmm. of where am I compared to where Jesus wants to be, and each mm-hmm. time I look at it, every year, every month, I look at it again. I'm going to see a new smudge on on my face that I need to wipe off, and uh, that's it's a, it can be difficult and it can be scary. And I I know doing that for forty years that must be like wow like this is this is a lot of work <laughs> to keep on going through this, but it, to be able to do that in the in the hope and the confidence that yeah we're we're doing it with jesus we're doing it in communion with the holy spirit and that the holy spirit is using this as a tool to make us more like jesus
0: And, and so maybe to wrap up here uh i i don't think that if i was to answer this the sermon on the mount is uh New law in the same way the old law was like, here's the letter of the law, and you've got to go up to this. And because mm-hmm. and, people went up to the, the edge, and then whatever, it didn't say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've got all these loopholes now, and I can, or they went to the other extreme of building a hedge around the Torah, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm not even getting close to it. And Jesus came in through and uh, had a lot of fun, I think, breaking those hedges down. And, uh, mm-hmm. but it's more getting to the heart. And getting to the motivations, and getting to relationship, and and almost to that point where what I, the correlation I, I see in Romans twelve about uh, by testing you may discern like that our hearts would change and we would desire the things that God desires that we would desire Him mm-hmm. as most important above all the other things that we could desire in this world.
2: Yeah, I think that it it the Sermon on the Mount helps us every day in every hour, at every moment, Jesus is ascending that mountain and sitting down, prepared to teach. And we have to keep looking that way. (laughs) He's up there. So he's a little higher so we can see him if we look in that direction. But it's, it's just that, it's just that Every day making that decision, I can, I can follow Jesus and I can sit down at his feet and I can listen to what he says, or I can do this other thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and this is, I think is where we'll, where we'll have to keep on digging in because at the, unless, you know, people forget what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, Jesus I think I is forgot. like, if you don't follow what I'm saying, right. you're doomed, <laughs> right? right? So it's this, this. I think the Sermon on the Mount is both this aspirational, inspirational vision of the future, and it is the word of our teacher that we have to follow today. I think we have to just we have to live in the the both and there, yeah. uh, and we can't we can't lose sight of. Those dual realities. Agreed.
0: That's a great ending there. Yes. Thanks, Thanks, man.
1: Good. This has been fun. This is fun. Yeah, I love this.